0: Welcome back to Episode 8 of The NP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. Today on this show, I want to talk about health insurance and in more in general, what is insurance and how it really applies to us. Maybe some of the things that we'll get into will be where I think we're going in the future. I'm watching the news right now, is in the background, and I'm seeing uh, newly elected President Trump uh, and newly uh Inaugurated, and I see a lot of executive orders going down. I see a lot of talk about where Obamacare repeal and replace, and what's what's going to happen. Where are we going from there? But I think it's important that we talk about what insurance is and um, what um, how we got to this point. I think, and I, I just I think it's worth a fifteen minute background history of how we got here. So. I'd like to start with what insurance is, and it seems pretty common, but it's important I think because we make arguments why we do certain things politically, or why there has been political decisions made based upon our health insurance that aren't really health insurance related at all, but they package it so that it sounds like it, and I'll get into that in a moment, but what is insurance? I'm mean, going to use a couple of examples of insurance and then try to correlate that into the health insurance industry, and that might give a little bit more understanding that, oh, wait a second, that's insurance and maybe this isn't. Insurance is a contract. That's all it is. It's two promises. It's one promise from one party, me saying to an insurance company, I promise that I will pay you Uh, a premium of this amount this year, if you promise that if something happens, if a potential thing happens, that you're going to step in my place and take care of it. And taking care of it could be paying for the harm that's done, paying for expenses incurred, paying for legal fees, paying for whatever. And it doesn't matter what your insurance plan is. Think of the most obvious insurance plans that you can think of. You could. Most of us are professionals. You may have a medical malpractice insurance plan. If you screw up when you're doing insurance, you pay your X dollars every year, and they step in and you know protect you from getting sued, and they uh, pay out any claims that you have. Um, and, and that's a good example. The, the easiest one is your car, right? You, you got your car insurance. You pay your insurance. It's a promise to pay something. I pay my 1000 bucks a year, whatever it is. And if I get in a wreck or do some damage to somebody's car or, God forbid, I hurt somebody or kill somebody and I get sued for it, then the insurance company is going to step in and basically settle the claim. And if they can't settle the claim, then they, they help pay legal fees to some extent. And it all depends on the contract, what's in the words in the document. So that's why when you get in a wreck, you should always have your policy relatively available so that you can look and say, oh crap, this isn't, or this is covered. And so when you start uh, worrying about rental car fees and things like that, you don't go out and start renting a Porsche for you know a month while your car's getting fixed. Probably not a good choice. So knowing what insurance is, is, is pretty easy. But then we take and we flip it over to the healthcare industry, and things start to kind of fall apart somewhat. So today in 2017, there seems to be a misnomer of health insurance equaling health care access or health care. And it gets muddied, right? Because without the insurance, you don't have access, and if you don't have access, you don't have health care. So health insurance, therefore, must equal health and care. And I don't think that's the case. And I think that that's, that causes a lot of problems, and it opens up arguments that really are fallacies from the political debates that are out there and that have been out there for a number of years. So with health insurance, you pay your premium under the promise that they will cover you if you get sick. It's just like auto insurance. Here's my example. I'm driving my car down the road, and I'm a good driver. And I think to myself, I'm such a good driver, I don't need insurance for my car or for any liability if I hurt someone. Because I'm a good driver. I don't need it. Well, I'm driving down the road, and a truck plows into me. It's not my fault. I didn't wasn't didn't do anything wrong, but he doesn't have any insurance and he doesn't have any money and he's insolvent. I could sue him and get a judgment against him. It'd be an easy law case. But the problem is, is that he ain't got anything. Doesn't matter. Move on. I'm still stuck paying my own bill. So let's just assume the other drivers. It's his fault, and I'm not going to get anything. So what do I do? The first thing I do, I look in the you know, I look at this guy and he's like, I don't, have any, I don't have insurance and I don't got no money. Okay. I look over my left shoulder, I look over my right shoulder, and there's not a single person behind me willing to step in or able to help me pay for this. So I have to think to myself, well, shoot, I blew it. I should have gotten insurance. Okay? And I gotta pay for it out of pocket. Let's just say that it's 10 grand in damage to my car. So now I gotta pay 10 grand out of my own pocket, and that covers, you know, my time taking it to the to the mechanic to get fixed, and the body shop, and and it's my time to, uh, you know, re- my rental car fees, all that stuff all rolled up into one is ten grand. So let's just think for a moment, and we'll add another step to the hypothetical. So I'm driving my car, I get plowed into a, a guy with no insurance and no money, no way to pay for it, I look over my shoulders, no one's there. I have to pay for it, but this time I have a cell phone in my pocket, and I pull my cell phone out, and I call Jake from State Farm, and I say to Jake, Jake, dude, I just got a wreck, I just trashed my car, it wasn't my fault, but the guy's got no money, I really need some insurance, and I need it bad, and I need it now, and Jake laughs at me, and he says, Nuh-uh. I'm not going to touch it, We're not, the underwriters are not going to come near you. They won't even come near you now as a, as a potential insurer, even if you have another car that you want to get insurance. Because you're trying to get insurance, it, just it's a red flag. You've got too many red flags. A wreck. you're trying to get insurance after the fact, and you're losing your chance. So Jake is going to laugh at me, and I'm going to say, well, Jake, come on, man, I really need this. And he's, he's like, no, we're not going to do it. He cuts you off. So let's take this to the health insurance side. And this puts us back where we were before Obamacare, which was 2010, right? So in 2005, let's say, I have um, COPD, and I go to my doctor, and my doctor says, you really need all these medications, and oh, by the way, here's my bill, and you say, I can't afford to pay these things, so no, I cannot pay for them. Um, And my insurance company, um, I just lost my job, I lost my insurance, I made too much money last year, so I'm not going to qualify for any of the social programs that will get me insurance, Medicaid or Medicare, depending on you know, what the potential opportunity is, most likely Medicaid. And it's going to take a year and a half to get any Social Security if, it's, if I have some kind of disability. So I'm really screwed here for a while. I, I, can't, I can't pay for my medicines. I can't function without my medicines. So what do you do? And and so, th- as, as a sick person back then, th- there was a lot of problems with this. This was a this is the true pre-existing condition person. You go to a new insurance company even after you get a new job. There was a period at, at one point in time, it was under HIPAA, which was the original name of HIPAA was Health Insurance Protection and Portability Act. The Portability Act portion of it was if you have insurance with a pre-existing condition under the... Um, employer number one, and you leave employer number one and go to employer number two, and it's pretty close in time. I think back in the day, it was like 90 days. If it was less than 90 days, and you went to your new insurance plan, they couldn't deny you. They basically had to pick up where your last insurance plan was there. So it wasn't as though there was a... Um, a lot of people, I mean, there was a lot of people suffering from this, but a lot of people still could get their insurance. So it, that wasn't the issue. But what happened was, with the downturn in the economy, uh, economy in 2008, 2007, 2008, 2006, it all started to kind of tapering down. People couldn't find that job fast enough. And so when they went to their second employer and said, I want insurance, they said, great, here's your insurance plan, fill out the paperwork. And they would say, do you have any pre existing conditions? And then you say, well, yeah, I can't lie, because then I'll lose my insurance automatically and if i and if i um, tell the truth it's more than the hipaa law provided for for the portability portion of it then i'm screwed i'm not going to get insurance and that's what happened to a lot of people is that they couldn't get their second their second employer the follow up employer to give them insurance health insurance and they didn't qualify for any of the state state or federal programs so now you've got someone that's sick not able to get insurance and here comes this, this new law, the, the Affordable Care Act, is going to fix pre-existing conditions. And now, the Affordable Care Act, and I struggle with it, and you'll co- hear me call it Obamacare. I'm sure I'll flip and call it that. I try to stick with the names of things, but this one's really hard for me to swallow because Affordable Care Act is anything but affordable. It's not affordable to anybody. And I'll get into my philosophies maybe later on why I think that the law was passed in the first place, but the thing that they sold it to the American people, if you remember back to the news reports, and I'm a news junkie, I watch all the, the different news channels and see what's going on, and I just think it's interesting. I don't vote for any of these jerkwads, but I, I just enjoy watching them fight. But if you go back to 2009, everything they talked about on the news, the f- spoon-fed media to us, said it's all about existing conditions pre-existing conditions we need to keep keep these people you know from falling through the cracks and and people with these conditions need to have be you know get their medicines and i agree with all of those things but here's the hypothetical going back to my car i talked to Jake from State Farm and he says i can't give you insurance but a month later a law is passed by the government that says auto insurance policies now, must cover pre existing wrecks. Good, better, and different. That's just the law. So I call up Jake from State Farm and say, Dude, I need my insurance plan. And he says, Okay. So now you got the government stepping in saying these two people, you have to provide them, you can't deny them insurance because they just had a wreck. But I know damn well that when, as soon as I give this guy his policy, this is what Jake from State Farm's saying as soon as I give Jeff his policy he's going to turn in his recent rec on it and I'm going to pay for his rec out of the out of our company's profits or our costs or whatever so that's a that's a cost that's going to be realized pretty quickly and it's not two parties contracting willingly it's being forced to do it, which was one of the lawsuits that happened. And they said, no, we, 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 Roberts blew it in my opinion. And he basically said that this wasn't mandating that it was a penalty and it was a tax. And there was a whole argument between the two of them and, and, um, basically said that the individual mandate was, was okay from a Supreme court standpoint. But the, the problem is, is now Jake from state farm has to give me insurance and he knows that it's going to cost 10 grand to fix my car because I told him, and he sees the quotes or whatever. But then, not only that, but the insurance plan that he has to give me is for you know, a Lexus or whatever, and I drive a little piece of crap Chevy. So that's basically what Obamacare did. Is it mandated that you had this huge policy that you, know, you don't really need to use everything. You know, 50-year-old women probably don't need prenatal vitamins and, and prenatal care even though the insurance plan was built that it had to give it for everybody for that. And that's one of the arguments. It's just it was dumb. The policy on it was dumb. So now I'm mandating Jake from State Farm to pay for my car and my gold standard premium. And so now my, you know, what would have been a $500 premium is $2,000 premium plus the $10,000 is $12,000. But guess what? I don't have the ability to pay that much for it. You can't punish me under the law. You can give me insurance, but I can't. I can't punish you with it. So what? What happens? Well, who's going to pay for it? Right? It's the other people that have insurance. It's a spreading of. It's a. It's. It's wealth redistribution, is what it is. It's us paying an, a tax, is is another way of thinking it. We're paying a tax through our insurance programs, by our pro, our our premiums going up and us having to cover the cost of Jeff's twelve thousand dollars screw up when he wrecks his car. It's the same concept. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't cover pre-existing conditions for people. I think that there's a way to do it. But when you look at the numbers of people out there, there were, at the time Obamacare was enacted, the number of people that was in the middle of the argument of people that were of concern came to 30 million was the number. 32 million, some people said. Some weren't sure. Some were 28 million. So round it to 30 million people. And they broke it down into thirds. And this is all stuff that you can look at this, the Congressional Budget Office. And yes, I'm a geek. I look at Congressional Budget Office to see what laws are being proposed and read their budgets and stuff. And, and that's just interesting to me. So I'm, I'm that guy. But if you go to the CBO's website, at the time, they gave all these statistics to get their numbers. And what they what they'd said was it was approximately 10 million people that had – no insurance that just didn't give a crap like I was with my car. I didn't care. I don't need it. I'm good. I'm young. I'm safe. I am don't, don't need it. I'm healthy. Everything's wonderful. That's like a 10 million number. There's another 10 million are people that really want it, would love to have it, but just to have some other mechanism already in place that they would have been able to get it if they would have just went after it. So 10 million Americans that just didn't sign up for Medicaid because they were too lazy to go sign up for Medicaid. Right. So th- those are, these are the people we're including in the numbers that that, you know, the argument of why we need Obamacare. So 10 million, a third of the people that, that weren't insured but could have been insured already had a mechanism to be insured. It was just too lazy to do it. Or too complicated or didn't understand or just didn't know or whatever. I shouldn't say lazy, but I mean, they, they, they didn't go get it. They could have done it. They, these are the people that walk into the ER and get their primary care in the ER and then walk out. That's those people. The other third are the people with pre-existing conditions that just can't qualify for insurance. They want to get the insurance. They even can pay you know, decent money for it, but the cost of their their, their health care relative to what it would be to get their insurance, they're just not even qualifying for it. So they're paying out of pocket if they can. And they don't qualify for the Medicaid's and the others, which we kind of already mentioned. So there's 30 million Americans, third, third, and third. Well, third... I don't care if there's a 20-year-old kid that breaks his arm. His parents are going to, well, he's going to be on his parents' insurance anyways, but that wasn't until after Obamacare. But so that 10 million Americans mandating them to get insurance, Eh, okay, maybe. The pre-existing condition people, it's not even insurance for them. If I know what my expenditure is going to be because of a cost, that's not insurance. It's a promise for an unknown in the future. That's the definition of insurance. We already talked about that. So those ten million, it's not even insurance for them. It's it's welfare. It's a form of welfare. We know what your costs are going to be because of your diabetes, your heart disease, and your you know. We'll give you insurance for other things, but we know what these, these existing conditions are. That's not insurance. That is welfare, of another name. Now you could say welfare is a derogatory term. Whatever. I think we're a little bit too hypercritical and hypersensitive about. Names and labels and things like that. But it's government assistance for a known thing. It's not insurance. It's by definition not insurance. Now, go back to when Obamacare was enacted. We had a a complete supermajority of Democrats. And you'll learn as we go that I am very opinionated about my views with government. And I mean that. I'm an equal opportunity hater when it comes to the government. I if I used to be extremely conservative, I cannot stand the Republican Party anymore, but I can't stand the Democrats either. So it's the the part two party system I despise. But at that time we had a really a one party majority. And they could have done anything they wanted to to really fix these problems. They could have said, you know what, pre-existing conditions, people, we could slice off a ton of money out of our budget, which in the scheme of things was a small percentage of money, and covered their costs through um, maybe an expansion of the Medicare or Medicaid for pre-existing conditions. And they could have done that, but there was no way politically that they would have gotten – gotten away with it if they expanded medicaid but that's really what they could have done to, co- to expand medicaid to cover pre-existing conditions and that would have been that would have been done but no they decided to uproot the entire healthcare industry and impose huge restrictions and impose huge costs and administrative nightmares on all fronts for 10 million Americans that they could have just stuck in medicaid I don't know. It just seems to me that it was it was done for other reasons, right? So why would they do it? Why would they enact a law that was so just onerous to to, to go through and do, to actually implement and the exchanges and watch and the healthcare.gov just crash and burn their website was awful and, and their premiums and the nightmares that are happening and you know the sign up rate was significantly lower than it was to be advertised and when they hit like 2 million 3 million people they were so proud of themselves and they were shooting for the 30 million and they're still not even close to that and here we are 3 years later and a year into the mandate and so it it just it was in delays of the 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 company mandates, and uh, it's just, it was a, it's a disaster. I I truly believe that Obamacare was designed to be a disaster. And I feel that way because it was done so hastily and so, just such a piece of garbage document that once it got put in, yes, I've read a lot of it. Once it got put out there, they knew it was just a matter of time before this sucker was going to be painful for everybody. Practitioners, painful for people that were in the insurance industry, uh, painful for um, patients, patient it's just everybody. It's going to be a nightmare, and it, that's what they want. The, I truly believe that this is exactly what the government wanted because what it's going to do is it's going to force us into begging the government to fix Obamacare, fix it, and now that we've got people on healthcare.gov, and on the state exchanges, once you give a a social program, it never unwinds. So we're not getting rid of those components to it. Even though the Republicans over the last eight, six, eight years have been saying if this thing happens and when it happened, we will repeal it and we'll repeal it and we'll get rid of it and we'll get rid of it. And now what? Later in the, in the last year or so, it was repeal and replace, repeal and replace, and then you're going to hear we're going to just repeal some of it. And then we'll now we're going to just do this hybrid fix. And so it sounds a lot softer today than it did five or six years ago when it was, you know, not likely that we were going to have a, a switch from Democrat to Republican. So here we are 2017. What's going to happen? When's it going to happen? Who the hell knows? This is, this is a crapshoot. but here's my best guess. And I was talking to a lady today that, that was talking to me about health insurance plan. And, uh, she said, and this is where I got the idea to talk about this. She was telling me today that they used to have um, about three times the number of people, number of employees on their health insurance plan. But because of the state exchanges and because of the increased cost in their over-the-50 threshold for Obamacare, they have to provide these top-end quality program, or insurance plans, and uh, the employees can't afford the premiums. For it. So they're either going to the state exchange, or they're not getting insurance, which was the the other ten million, right? They're not getting insurance at all, even though they could pay for it, and um, and they're relatively healthy, younger people, and they're they're taking their chances because it's it's cheaper to pay the fine for right now, anyways. So where do we go from here? I think that that under Trump. The mandate for the insurance will go away. I think that they're going to, he's going to sign either an executive order saying we're not going to enforce the taxation uh, of individual people that choose not to get insurance. So you won't have to show an insurance waiver, 1099 insurance or whatever we had to do last year in our taxes. So we won't have to do that. Um, I think that's going to happen. So what does that do? That basically takes us back to 2005 again. But you have the opportunity. What's, what, what happens to these people that are on the state exchanges and in, in healthcare.gov? So you're going to see a transform of mandated insurance plans under the healthcare.gov, the Obamacare plans, will become an optional plan, government optional plan. And you'll see that that people will um, opt to go for those. But here's the problem: whenever there's a government option versus a private option, they can subsidize it. We can't through private industries. So the insurance company is going to still have to charge a, pre- a pretty good premium to get the service that you want. Whereas the insurance co- insurance provider, um, the insurance plans through the government as the provider, will be basically peanuts to, to do it, and they'll keep it cheap for a while. It's kind of like Taco Bell, right? They used to have super cheap tacos, and then you get addicted like I am to Taco Bell, and now the, a taco's eighty nine or whatever it is. It used to be $0.49, cents, and that wasn't that long ago. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of old, so $0.49 cents was a little while ago. But the point being the same, they're going to keep it cheap to get you hooked on it. And then that's going to starve out the other industry. It's going to starve out the competition. Well, the competition's going to be the private insurance companies. But here's what they're going to sell it to you as. They're going to sell it to you as, you have now more options. You have another option. You can go private insurance and use those guys. You can use Aetna and Anthem and Blue Cross Blue Shield and, and all these different insurance companies. We're, we might even open them up across state lines, which is another argument that the Republicans are using. And do I think that's really going to matter that much? Maybe a little. But there's enough insurance plans in each state that there's decent competition. There could be decent competition. But now you're going to have... This government option, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be a crappy plan. Don't get me wrong. But for those younger people that are pretty healthy, that go to the doctor for a sore throat once every couple years, or if they occasionally have to go get lab work done or they need a physical for work or something like that, those insurance plans are going to be cheap enough and basic enough that they're going to cover the needs for those people. And they're gonna, they're, it'll be enough that people that have pre-existing conditions can get it through those plans as an Obamacare remnant that'll still be there. And there'll be a carve-out for pre-existing conditions. So that's not going to go away. And I don't think it should go away now. I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but I think that it's still welfare. I think that you could call it what it is. Let's not hide behind words. Words matter, right? So where do we think this is going in the short term? I think you're going to see it going into the privatization, uh, of sense of reprivatization of insurance rather than this Obamacare ex- expansion that they're doing. You're going to see a public option for health insurance. That's, that's just me talking. I've got no real backup of that. That's just a feeling. But I think what's going to happen is as people get used to going through the, the government to get their health care, What's the difference between that and, and Canada? I mean, it, it's it's single-payer, right? It's single-payer-ish, or-esque, either way you want to say it, right? So it's almost a single-payer type system once you starve out all the insurance plans. So you're going to have, what like you have in a lot of the other European countries, you're going to have these giant gold premium policies for the super-uber-rich that um will have their health insurance plans that are they'll have those and then you're gonna have everybody else, including me, stuck in a in a a government plan that for all intent and purposes is single payer. When's it gonna happen? God only knows. Is it gonna be better than what we have now? I don't even know. I can't even say that it will be. But I think what what's important as a practitioner is that you just keep your eyes open and see where things go. And this is one of the reasons that I chose nursing uh, rather than medicine, and there's a bunch of other reasons too. but I think that there's going to be the days of physicians making $400,000 as a primary care physician are numbered. You know, you're going to be making 150, 180 if you're lucky, 120. You know, depending on where you are. And so you're going to see that number start to go down and down and down. And when you see the government take over more and more control of the health industry, which is going to happen, even though Republicans are saying, no, we're not. We're backing it up. No, they're not. They're just re-diverting it and going down a different path to get to the same result. So Republican or Democrat, single payer is going to ultimately come, whether you want it or not. And you could kind of get a feeling I'm a I'm a free market kind of guy. I am a, uh, a live and let live, leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone kind of kind of attitude. But in reality, you got to see what's around you, what's coming at you, and if you're not paying attention, you won't know how to position yourself. So that, those are my two cents on what's going on with health insurance. I I love talking opinions on this. I this is a good one that we could you know get a couple people and sit in a room and drink some beers and talk about. But you know the, at least if you get anything out of this, take away the idea that insurance is, is uh, you know by definition, what it is, and know that certain things that the government will tell you, especially on the, the six o'clock news, don't trust it. It's a crock of crap. And we see that in history um, time and time again. You just can't trust what they say on the media, regardless of the media. So who can you trust? You trust the NP, dude. That's who you trust. All right. Well, this has been fun. I enjoy talking this topic. I could talk this all day long and uh, go into a lot of detail on different things and talk court cases and bore the crap out of people. But I think that's good for today. Um, I have a lot of fun. I don't know if I'm going to be doing another show for the weekend, so I'll be back probably on Monday doing another one. Uh, If I do pop one out, I will. If I can't, I will. And uh, like I said before, keep the comments coming. Please feel free to comment uh, below. If you think I'm full of crap and you think we're going a different direction, I want to hear from you. If you think that uh, I, my view on insurance is stupid, I want to hear from you. Please email me, jeff at com. You can leave comments below this podcast. You can also get me on Facebook at thenpdude. Uh, comments on Facebook. I'm getting some, a lot of good feedback As you know, great job, good job on this podcast. I like what you said about that, but I'm not getting anybody challenging me. I want people to challenge me, right? I want to get debate. I want to hear what you guys have to think. I want to hear what you guys have uh, ideas on shows too. You know, I want to, I want to talk about what you guys want to hear. Not necessarily the things I like talking about. So check me out again uh the npdude.com and oh another new thing that came out i got i'm now on itunes so that was a new development i got that set up yesterday it w- happened really fast i just kind of like poking around looking at it uh submitted my stuff i had to do some tweak into my rss feed and got it squared away and uh within like two hours i had approval it was like wow okay that's cool but i don't do iphone i've got an android so i don't do itunes and uh, so I'm not sure what it looks like from, from an iTunes standpoint. I have uh, Podcast Republic is the one I use, which is uh, just a podcast app, and it's pretty good, and, I, it, and it did show up in there. So uh, you can get me on iTunes if you guys want to do, do it that way, that's fine, but um, you can get me on my Facebook page. I have all the links to all my shows on there, as well as all the uh, downloadable MP3s on the website. So, thanks for listening. Look forward to uh, talking again and keep the, keep the ideas rolling.